is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't already, comment, do all the good stuff, share us out. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate you all coming back as I should share this out. Also on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. And shouts to the new subscribers who came in our Thursday night football chat. It was really fun. Got to chop it up with some of y'all new folks. And, uh, you know, the old ones, too. So we, we had fun, even though the Giants lost and all that. So, uh, yeah, we're doing different things here on this channel, this podcast, and uh, can't wait for the future, of course. So the New York Giants took the loss to the San Francisco 49ers by a score of 30-12. to 12. And I initially said I wanted to come into this game with a certain amount of expectations, learning maybe a few things. And I didn't learn a lot. I'm pretty sure you guys didn't. Now, there's going to be that talking point of, well, you know, coming into the season, you and every other content creator and every other Giant fan had the Giants losing the 49ers. That's absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. But the way they lost is not necessarily ideal. Now, of course, you don't want to lose any game. You'd like to win every game possible. It's not going to happen. But the Giants were in this game at one point. They were in this game. It was... A one-score game for a little bit. One-score game in the first quarter, I believe. Um, Second quarter, not so much. Third quarter, it was. And then the 49ers tacked on seven late with the Debo Samuel touchdown against Dory Jackson for Brock Purdy. And just the way the Giants missed opportunities multiple times in this game is, again, not ideal. I don't like using that word. And it's not just like, oh, well, you know, this would only happen against the 49ers. This would only happen against the Cowboys. No, this can happen against any other team in the league. I mean, we saw the missed opportunities in week two against Arizona. Yeah, they won that game. But, I mean, the Giants, again, they have issues. They have a lot of them. You can sit here and, you know, count your positives as we will in this podcast episode. But there are negatives, there are negatives, and it's, once again, it's not just a, a one-trick pony, a one-game thing. This is something we've been seeing for three weeks. Well, some of the things we're going to talk about are things we've been seeing for three weeks. And it's not, again, ideal. It's not good because they're negatives. And really, to be honest with you, and we'll talk about it much more once we're over the stats, is offensively, I think it's coaching and execution by the players defensively i'm going to be honest i don't think it's winked too much i don't think it's winked too much now there's a whole other subject we're going to talk about that could involve coaching but i mean the player execution is just fucking piss poor on defense and i get it they kept us in the game 20 points is any other thing but when you realistically look at the season right these three games that we've had you take off 20 in the first week because that's essentially what it was. It was 20 points to the Cowboys, even though it was a 40. The defense has given up 26 points per game. No, that's not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to happen. And maybe that will be a lot lower if we didn't give up 28 points to the fucking Cardinals. So, again, there will be some positives, will be some negatives. There will be some silver lining stuff, big picture conversation. And, I mean, stuff just like, hey, listen, the 49ers are a better team. The 49ers are a better team by far. They're probably the second best team in the NFC right now, if not the first. So let's get right into it. Uh, Daniel Jones is 22 
32, 137 yards, an interception, took two sacks. Brock Purdy took two sacks, two touchdowns, 310 yards, 25-37. The Giants had no rushing game. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Matt Breida, four carries, 17 yards, 4.3 yards per carry, a touchdown. Longest was an eight-yard touchdown run. Daniel Jones, Brightwell, and Taylor didn't do much. Um, this is for the San Francisco rushing game. It was pretty good yards-wise. Now, yards per carry, it wasn't great. But, I mean, chalk it up to mainly Christian McCaffrey, and he had a successful night. 18 carries, 85 yards, 15 short of 100, 4.7 yards per carry, and a touchdown. You look at Elijah Mitchell, 11 carries, 42 yards. So not all bad, but he did have an 18-yard run, which took the piss out of the Giants a little bit. And then Juszczyk had a carry, and Jordan Mason got three carries, and Debo Samuel had a carry as well. So it was a couple of mixes and matches. Um, for the receiving game, Darius Slayton had three catches for 32 yards, six catches for 24 yards for Paris Campbell. Wandale Robinson came back, and I thought his impact was felt, though the Giants were a little hamstrung in a couple of different areas. He had a total of four catches for 21 yards. Gary Bywell, if I didn't mention him already, two catches, 31 yards. Darren Waller, three catches for 20 yards. Um, Hodgins was targeted once. That was it. Jalen Hyatt, we'll talk about him and his usage in the offense because I'm not going to lie. I'm a little unhappy about that. Um, Debo Samuel at six receptions for 129 yards. Touchdown. George Kittle at seven receptions, 90 yards. Christian McCaffrey at five receptions, 34 yards. And it was pretty much it from there. And then also Ronnie Bell caught a touchdown against uh, Deontay Banks in coverage. So for the Giants' defense, they had two sacks, six tackles for a loss, six quarterback hits, and four pass deflections, four tackles for a loss for Micah McFadden. He was also the lead tackler, so he had a good night. He did miss some tackles, but he had a better game than he had against Arizona, which is good. You know, obviously, it's not easy to bring some of these guys down, and McFadden had a few nice plays, so you kind of have to give the hats off to him. Bobby Okereke, he had a quarterback hit. Leonard Williams had half a sack and two quarterback hits. Jason Pinnock had a quarterback hit. Dory Jackson had passed the flesh. Kayvon Thibodeau had his first sack of the season, a quarterback hit, and a tackle for a loss. Darnay Holmes had a tackle for a loss and a pass deflection, also a penalty later on. Deontay Banks had a pass deflection. And DJ Davidson had his first half sack in the NFL. He also got injured later on, pass deflection, and a quarterback hit. You take a look at the 49ers. The pressures were up there. I don't have the number at the moment, but the quarterback hits, it's actually eerily similar to the Giants. Six quarterback hits, two sacks. Four tackles for loss and three pass deflections on defense. Oren Burks, two tackles for loss. Dre Greenlaw had a quarterback hit. Two uh, excuse me, pass deflections for Charvarius Ward. Um, the lead tackler was Deshaun Gibson Sr., the safety. Nick Bosa had a sack, a tackle for loss, and two quarterback hits. Same applies for Javon Hargrave. Talanoa Hafunga had a pass deflection and an interception. And then Eric Armstead had a quarterback hit. So I'm surprised that he didn't get you know much uh pressure on the Giants maybe he was in less of the snap count I'm gonna be honest once again um, but Eric Armstead is still a very good player in this league he's one of the top defensive linemen so first downs it is just unbalanced San Francisco had 26 the Giants had 10 13 passing first downs for San Fran the Giants had six two rushing first downs for the Giants nine for San Fran first downs for penalties four for San Fran two for the Giants third down efficiency three for 12 for the Giants 9-16 for the Niners. No fourth down attempts or conversions. 78-46 to 46 in terms of plays. That's 32 is a difference. That says a lot. San Fran had 78. Giants had 46. 441 yards for San Fran. 150 for the New York Giants. 11 total drives to 10. 
Sam Fran at 11, Giants at 10. 3.3 yards per play for the Giants. 5.7 for San Fran. One red zone attempt for the Giants. That was a touchdown for Matt Breida. Giants in the red zone, two for five on defense against the 49ers. Obviously, the two touchdowns and then the rest are field goals. Penalties, both similar, but obviously the yardage comes into play and the context of those penalties, too. Six for 37, the Giants, and six for 71, the San Francisco 49ers. One turnover was the DJ interception that was tipped up to Talano Hafunga. And 20-50, with Giants time possession to 39-10. So let's get into the offense. And, again, both sides are going to be – there's going to be criticisms, but there's going to be points of the 49ers are a better talented team, and we were coming into this game just knowing that we were going to lose, how much was a question, and how it unfolds is whatnot. The Giants could not sustain a drive. Let's start with that. There's been a problem this entire season, and it also deals with margin of error. And I'm not saying nothing can't go right, but there's going to be a lot of talking points with the offense that really deal with each other, and it's just going to be like a, a little spider web, you know, those food chain spider webs you, you know, used to do, and also maybe like a Venn diagram. But enough with the enough with the scenarios here. The Giants couldn't sustain a drive. The problem with that was a couple of things, and I'll get this off the board right now. A lot of Giant fans are coming out here saying Brian Dable should have ran the football. Here's the problem with that. I'm actually going to half, maybe 75% commend Dable for not running the football. Because guess what? The Giants decided to run on first down a few times and they were getting nowhere. And that may have been like three, four times. So that's one. Number two, you don't have Saquon Barkley back there. So you have no excuse to really push the run. Not saying they would. It was always going to be about the passing attack, and the 49ers kind of read up on that. And the 49ers haven't allowed a 70-yard rusher in, I want to say, 15 to 30 games. And that's just a credit to how good their defense is, you know, personnel-wise and coaching-wise. I mean, they've ran through three coaches within the last few years. Salah, obviously head coach of the Jets, Michael Ryans, and now Steve Wilkes. So they just keep overturning defensive coaches over there because they get head coaching jobs, but the play and the production is always the same. So there's that. And the margin of error, the problem with the Giants, and one of the main problems is at times they're like a bunch of Eeyores. And I may have mentioned this last show, but they're a bunch of Eeyores. And the margin of error, it just seems like they can never, this was a huge problem last year too, and even in the judge years was the relying on their defense, their offense can't get going, and because of certain issues on offense and you can't come over and pile on this defense, you need every play possible and every chance that you get where you have a clean pocket, it's got to be made. And there's a few throws you could blame Daniel Jones for. Now, of course, I only know of two notable ones. That's when Jones had a little bit of time he had high in a similar route concept. You guys remember when Isaiah Hodgins made that Manningham-like catch in that Vikings game? I felt as if that was the same route. So I think Daniel Jones could have just threw it up there. You got to trust Jalen Hyatt a little bit. I'll talk about that more big picture in a second. And then the third down and nine to Darren Waller. That's something you got. And Darren Waller didn't have a good game by any means. I mean, the popped-up interception. Daniel Jones now has four on the year. 
which is tied with Zach Wilson for the most in the NFL, which is not a good thing. That's not where you want to be. But three of those interceptions were popped up by receivers. And for some reason, we're really going back to the 2020 New York Giants uh, in that category, which, you know, not a good thing. We saw it as a progressive year. Not a good thing. But that third and nine, you got you to gotta hit Waller, man. You got to hit Waller. I mean, maybe practice that and practice and whatnot, but quarterback Smith throws all the time. And I know people who are more to DJ's side will say, well, you know, quarterback Smith throws all the time. But the Giants' margin of error makes it so small in a game situation that you got to hit those throws, that they could be big plays. And if DJ doesn't see a guy open or he misses a guy, that's going to get talked about in the film. That's going to get talked about on the internet. And I don't blame people for it because we could talk about margin of error and the offensive line, but $40 million, we got to start talking about that a little bit more. And I'm not sitting here trying to hate on the guy. I'm not, listen, look, I've criticized DJ for a lot of different things, a lot of, you know, stuff that went wrong for him and, you know, that he didn't contribute in a nice way to. And then I said week one, like, yeah, he missed throws, but the offensive line made it absolutely inoperable to really style that offense in any sort of way. Week two, I mean, he missed the Slayton throw, but the Giants had more than uh, this game in terms of margin of error because they went and came back from a 21-point deficit. This game, you were never going to do that. You were never going to come from behind 20, 21 points and beat the 49ers unless the 49ers just had shit coaching which we know Shanahan is a hell of a coach in this league they always fall short in the playoffs but guess what they in the regular season when it counts to get the biggest seed or the second biggest seed in the NFC they're always right there and they're 3-0 and right now so I got to give creds to them but the margin of error it's very small and that's when you start looking at similar things with coaching that's when you look at things with Daniel Jones not making some throws and the problem with that is you know people talk about the Dallas game I'm going to eliminate that once again yeah he missed throws and I'll acknowledge it but again 40 to nothing you know you're not going to have much wiggle room I think it's different from margin of error because the Giants were done with that game they were defeated in the first quarter they were defeated in the second quarter with all the shit that piled on Week two, they won. So you could say, okay, the the one missed throw to Darius Slate and then move on from there. Yeah, they won. DJ had a great second half. But this game is why a lot of people were questionable about DJ. It's like margin of error is small. We get it. The offensive line is bad. We get it. There's some questionable play calling, but he's got to elevate the team just a little bit to put the offense in good situations. And... I know people are stack gurus and all this other stuff, and I am, but I also watch the games. 137 yards is not going to clear it. And one of the things I, I looked for in this game is, can DJ beat a good pass defense? Now, coming into this game, 49ers allowed a lot of yak. They also were the 22nd best pass defense, which by all means is not good. Now, of course, maybe there was the first two games and a lot of different things compiled in and stats are sometimes a misleading thing but Daniel Jones is not the main problem but I mean you got to operate soon you really do because there's expectations there's stuff that needs to be going on on the field that isn't 
I'm going to get into that in a different video because we have a huge break between now and the Monday night game and also the preview that we'll be doing. So just look out for more content. I want to talk about this. Now, I usually don't do this segment until we have the defense covered and all a bunch of other things. Jalen Hyatt, he had 32% of the snaps. That's 16 in total. Now, here's my question, and, you know, the people of Giants Twitter and Giants YouTube, I want you to dissect, really, how much of those were run snaps. And the Giants didn't run the ball a lot, but also dissect how much of that was versus press man, how much of that was max protect, because the Giants did that a lot. That's one of the reasons that the Giants really didn't succeed. And I think this is a huge issue that we go against better teams and they're going to figure us out, is that we're predictable. We're predictable. Whether that's quarterback, whether that's game plan, whether that's coaching, whether that's some personnel that we have, the Giants are predictable. The NFL has figured us out to a certain extent. This kind of reminds me the game against Seattle, the short passes, all these different things. When they knew, San Francisco, they're, they're a smart team, we know that. They knew we were going to come out with a quick game. And we kind of did that against Arizona in the first half. Guess what? They shut us down. The offensive line wasn't terrible against Arizona. But when the quick came, when the quick game was the game plan for us in the first half against Arizona, they shut it down. And it's not like they have some all-pro corners. They were dealing with a rookie, a third-year veteran, and Jalen Thompson. So you go to this game against a better defense. They did try the quick game. They did try the yards after the catch, but... Everything was in the flats, and they had it covered. They had it covered. Wandale Robinson, I think I said, what, four catches, 25 yards? That's not going to get it done. It's not, and I'm not blaming Wandale because, look, it's his first game back from an ACL. Fine. Beat as it may. Okay? Paris Campbell, I mean, whether he's not being put in the right spot or he's just not producing, man, it's just he's been underwhelming so far, and I've been kind of ringing his name ringing the bell it's just like he's not producing he's not one-year contract i mean i don't know what the situation is so that's something i'm not going to get into because i don't know too much about it but jalen hyatt i mean he had two big plays last week versus that defense in arizona and i get it that's arizona's defense it's not the 49ers defense but at least have the threat even if he doesn't beat his man of going deep and then maybe something underneath will open up. You could have maybe a mesh concept or a levels concept. There's a couple of things you could throw in there. I'm not playing couch coach or couch GM and stuff like that. But Jalen Hyatt, when he is a threat to defenses, they will respect it. You know, and his speed. His speed is not to be taken for granted. But again, the Giants have become predictable and Jalen Hyatt not being on the field doesn't help anything. And I'm going to sit here and say this. Dable is definitely calling plays. Dable is definitely calling plays. I mean, he had the, the sheet again. The 49ers even said, look, we're kind of preparing for Dable to call the plays. So anyone who wants to sit there and say, well, you know, uh, no, it's not Dable. It's, it's Kafka. I mean, everybody has pretty much come to the majority that he is calling the plays right now. And again, the Giants... I'm going to say this one more time before we get into some other issues. They've become predictable because guess what? They want to go to that quick game because, you know, the offensive line isn't good. That's just facts. I think we know that. They cover that up. 
sometimes on the play action, which the Giants didn't do a lot of bootleg action in this game, not to my knowledge, maybe I'm wrong, they would have had that covered up too. They know they're not going to run the football. Sometimes they do on first down, and even then they cover it. So I think the Giants' challenge, really over these next few weeks, whatever the expectation is, whatever the results are, you got to build off your routes, use your personnel better, and become less predictable. And it's not the most ideal situation in the world. It's not because your personnel isn't perfect. You're dealing with a few injuries. That's fine and well. But you know what? Teams in adversity, when they deal with it, they come out of it better, knowing that they dealt with adversity. Sometimes teams get stuck in quicksand when they're in adversity, when they're facing it. It's right in their face. So let's be the team that gets out of the quicksand when we're facing adversity. Because guess what? We're not always going to have Barkley. Barkley's not going to be on the field 100% of the time. Andrew Thomas might be injured a game. Ben Bredesen might be injured a game. Aziz. All these different guys. So, and you know what? Before we get into the offensive line, I want to get into this. This is a defensive issue too. I'll give a gripe that I have with this coaching staff. This really didn't happen under Judge. This really didn't happen under Pat Shermer. Ben McAdoo maybe, but I don't think so. For some reason. This is a coaching thing, and also players too. Why in the world, the last three weeks, am I seeing at least one play where the Giants have 10 men on the field? Not 11. 10. There was also, I think, a play, what was it, last week or this week? It was like 12 men on the field on the defense. Too many men in the huddle. I mean, this is substitution, fellas. This is not rocket science. Get your subs. Figure out your packages. Communicate. Like, I think communication is one of the worst things in terms of what the Giants are, you know, in terms of their problems. Communication has been their weak link. Offensive line, substitutions. And also on defense, too. We're not going to give the defense any passes. So, another minor gripe I have is... We can sit here and, and talk at nauseum about this offensive line and all that other good stuff. We knew it was going to be makeshift. We knew there was going to be pressure. Josh Azudu didn't play good. How about this? The offensive line didn't play good. My little gripe is the fact that the Giants came into this game and said Shane Lemieux was going to start at left guard. And I get it. For some reason, you don't want to play Glow. I would have played Glow over Lemieux. And I get it. You kind of want to enforce this accountability aspect, whatever. This is the third offensive line combo, really fourth, that you've had in a matter of weeks. Maybe even five, six, because, I mean, I remember Matt Parrott came in for Evan Neal. And Zudu came in, you know, a few weeks ago, obviously, against the Cowboys when it was garbage time. And Matt Parrott came in. So you could do all these bunch of combos and whatnot. But I had people telling me. Oh, Shane Lemieux, you know, he was just on the bad foot last year. That's why he sucked against Detroit. How about this? Right. Tell you one thing. The dude fucking sucks. I can say that with 100% confidence. He's no game changer in the running game. In the passing game, he gives up his shoulder so easily. You think he would be a crossing guard leading Javon Hargrave or this and that player right to the quarterback. 
I mean, this has been an issue since his rookie year, and they have been unable to solve it, whether it's him, the coaching staff, whatever. And I literally said, look, the Giants need to go out there and attack, uh, you know, backup guard, backup tackle, because if Andrew Thomas gets injured, if Ben Bredesen gets injured, if these guys get injured, you're going to be relying on scraps. And don't give me this mentality of, oh, well, you know, if they throw their backups in, it's already over. Fuck that. That's a losing mentality. That really is. I'm tired of that shit. If Daniel Jones got hurt, I would still want a backup quarterback that's solid. Like, I know we have our complaints about Tyrod Taylor, but Tyrod Taylor would at least be able to hold the fort down. Yeah, he's not as much respected as Daniel Jones, and that obviously is far and few between. But uh, enough with that mentality. Like, I know not a ton of people are talking about it. It's just that mentality sucks, man. And I said, look, Lemieux is fine being on the roster, but if he's going to start a game because of injury, you are fucked. In pass protection. He gave up five pressures in a sack. PFF graded him really low. You guys listen to PFF, whatever. I didn't need PFF to tell me anything. I saw I, I saw shit through my eyeballs. My eyeballs, to, my eyeballs told me, I can't talk today. My eyeballs told me Shane Lemieux sucked in pass protection. That this offensive line sucked. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, JMS is going to go through his rookie struggles. That's fine. Like, he had a bad game and a good game. Obviously... The Giants were going to get that at some point with JMS because he's a rookie and all types of fronts are going to confuse him. Marcus McKeithen, I didn't expect him to succeed too much. They're experimenting with him because of glow and all these different issues. Evan Neal is still doing his thing, though he did give up a few pressures um, against the 49ers. But Lemieux's been here for four fucking years. And you could have cut him in the offseason. Again, this is just couch GM textbook crap. But Tyree Phillips, man, I mean, that's just that's just the name. I would have taken Tyree Phillips at left guard. Is he, like, the best pass protector in the league? Fuck no. But why are we holding on to a player that we know hasn't worked out? Personally, me, maybe I would have cut bait with him after 21 just because he was a Gettleman guy and he was injured the entire season. You're relying upon that. They tried it again in 22. Lemieux, I think, played a little right guard against the Eagles, but before that, he was against the Lions, and he was trash. They had to take him out after, like, what was it, the first quarter? He was so bad. So, just my gripes there. Just my gripes. Zudu gave up four pressures. Bellinger had a sack allowed, uh, which isn't surprising because, I mean, that was that was a really bizarre play. That he was off the line of scrimmage, and he was tasked to block Bosa, but they were pushing left for play action. It didn't make a ton of sense. It really didn't. Before we get into the defense, I do want to go into our sponsor, and that's SeatGeek. And a couple of people have used this code already. Code already. Code already. I can't talk today. Again. So shout-outs to y'all. But we are sponsored by SeatGeek. So if you're going to a game, you need concert tickets. You need parking passes. We can help you out. $20 off your entire order with the promo code Big Blue in the Bronx. That's Big Blue in the Bronx. That is the name of the podcast. Nothing abbreviated, none of that stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about the defense. Defense. Well, I think there's a certain word that the Giants' defense really couldn't grasp. I think you guys know what it you know is if I just give you the first letter. That's T. What the hell does T stand for? The tackling. 
My God, have the Giants been awful, especially in the last two games tackling. This was a team that was top five in missed tackles last year. And I'm not talking missed tackles as in, oh, they were bad. Like, I would say to better express it, they had, I think, like the fifth least missed tackles in the league. And then this year, they are, I think, what, 29th in tackling efficiency? They're bottom of the league. Bottom of the league after three games. And you tell me what has changed with personnel other than Okereke, Banks, and Hawkins. And let me tell you something. It's not them. Like, Okereke, I have my gripes with. Because I don't think he's been much of an impact these three games. Really, two. Again, Dallas blowout. Banks, I mean, it's not like, oh, he's, you know, he's missing a shit ton of tackles. Hawkins had a really bad missed tackle when he tried ducking low, and McCaffrey just sprung. He just sprung off that right side. Xavier McKinney, man, you're on a contract year. You played well last year. You decided to go on that ATV trip, which was pretty stupid, and then you hurt yourself, which hurt the defense in the second half. I mean, you had a great year in 21 with a defense that was really starving in certain areas because the offense was so bad. I mean, I would expect more. You're on a contract year. You're a leader. Is it the hand? Have you, like, not gotten 100% feeling yet? Something has to change. And this is, like, part of it where you could blame it on coaching, but the players got to execute. This strategy of ripping the ball out when you're not getting fumbles anyway is fucking bogus, dude. McKinney, I mean, I want to sit here and say that he probably is the worst player on defense. And I don't want to say that. I really don't. There's a lot of players on this defense that have not contributed within these first three games. McKinney had a good first game, fine. Last two games, man, can't cover a tight end to save his life, and we need guys that can cover tight ends. Kittle at 90 yards. And then can't tackle Debo Samuel, can't tackle these guys, can't tackle this guy. I mean, I get it. Debo Samuel is one of the fastest guys in the league, but fuck, man. It's not just him. 196 yards allowed, yards after the catch. Now, of course, that's never going to be zero. It's never going to be zero unless you're just tackled right then and there. 196. Let's divide that. I'm going to do some live math. 196. Let's divide that into 310. That's Brock Purdy's yardage. That's 63.2% of Brock Purdy's yardage dedicated to yards after the catch. Which tells you two things. Number one, that's what Brock Purdy relies on. I think we knew this coming in the game. Number two, the Giants couldn't do crap in terms of yards after the catch. They couldn't stop it. Missed tackles. The Giants had 16 missed tackles. Trey Hawkins, three. Pinnock, three. McFadden, three. Though he did make a couple of nice tackles, was leading tackler. Okereke, three. Some other defensive stats. 21 pressures. Leo, four. Dex, four. Deontay Banks, five pass attempts, three completions, the touchdown allowed, which wasn't great technique by Mr. Banks, but uh, that's the second touchdown, to my knowledge, Ronnie Bell has had on him going back to college. Adoree Jackson, four completions allowed on seven targets, 
One touchdown given up. That was to Debo Samuel. Besides the tackling, and this really equates to tackling too, the Giants on the first touchdown drive they gave up to San Fran. Dude, third down and 15, third down and 16. And you know what? I'll say this. Maybe I'm wrong. Wink wasn't blitzing like eight fucking guys. He wasn't blitzing like seven guys. That, oh my God, it took away. I saw Okereke and Pinnock. I want to say this was the Samuel screen, which was the first one, which was to the left side. They both took the same gap. And it's like, yeah, you could blame that on coaching a little bit, maybe practice that more. But the players have to really dig into their responsibilities. This is not the first time the Giants have, you know, trouble with screens. They did last year. So why is this not being improved upon? Why aren't the players sitting here and attacking this? And again, it's not like you have a bunch of rookies on the field. These are experienced veteran guys. Okereke should know what the fuck he's doing. He didn't have a great game. He wasn't impactful. Maybe like one tackle on a quarterback hit. But man, I mean, seriously, it's just like he hasn't shown his worth so far. I'm not going to sit here and bang the drum for him to be released. But dude, I mean, he's been a non-factor. Third and 13, McCaffrey. I mean, dude, how do you give up two third and longs like that? You're not blitzing on the same drive. They were 9 for 16 on third. I wish the Giants were 9 for 16 on third. So it's like, dude, again, we could go talk at nauseum about, oh, the 49ers are talented in this area. But tackling is... A basic fucking fundamental, taking the angles, reading your keys, going into the proper gaps. I mean, seriously, you would have thought that Bishop Sycamore was coaching this fucking team in some ways. Or that these were Bishop Sycamore players. I know I shouldn't be joking about that, but like, come the fuck on, man. Seriously. Giants bliss at 84%, which I believe is the most in the like newest generation era, next gen stats era. So, I think one of the biggest problems is the 49ers attack the middle of the field. And whose responsibility is to cover that? Xavier McKinney. He was spying one play, and he could have really helped Trey Hawkins out because Trey Hawkins thought he had safety help to uh, the reception of Juwan Jennings. McKinney wasn't there. And then Banks, I think he blitzed or just let Debo Samuel have a slant. So, again, the 49ers were attacking the middle of the field, and that goes with George Kill, too. And... When I talk about missed opportunities, too, it's like multiple missed interceptions. A Dory could add two and Deontay Banks in the end zone. Like, great. You know, they settled for three. Sure. But an interception goes a long way. It could be a momentum changer. And the Giants, going back on offense, they had a momentum changer at one point. What could have been? Eric Gray fumbled a punt. Guess what? It was called for fair catch interference. And they put us at the 38-yard line. They scored, but the defense... I'm pretty sure they got to stop the next drive. I'm not too sure. They may have given up a field goal. But they still at least didn't give up a touchdown. And the Giants couldn't do fucking squat the next drive. But again, I'll say Micah McFadden, he's a bright spot. He is. Um, you know, off that Cardinals game, wasn't too high on him. But it's going to be some growing pains. It's going to be some growing pains. And, uh, well, it's not necessarily surprising that you get your game uh, once a game, 
third down penalty from Darnay Holmes. This is what he know, what he's known for, guys. And I guess they wanted to stick with more of a zone approach this game, and that's why they put him in. I don't know. And obviously, yeah, he took the pay cut, but my question is, man, where is Cordell Flott? It's not like, you know, you have a ton of great cornerback depth that he's got to be on the bench. And this is, again, my minor gripe that I'm sitting here playing couch GM, but, man, it's like you drafted him in the third round to play corner and to play man corner, and you didn't really figure out that slot position because Holmes is still technically that guy when active occasionally behind Adoree Jackson. So then Adoree Jackson, I think, left for a little bit. Deontay Banks got hurt, which forced Holmes into that role, and obviously there was that third down holding penalty. He was on Debo Samuel. So, I mean, you know, sometimes you just expect things, and you could call it from the couch. And what I would say was it. What I will say is this, right? Ashawn Robinson, I'll give him a little credit. He was drawn. Trent Williams should have been ejected, knowingly so. The refs were bad for both sides. Like I will say that I said on stream, the holding penalty was bogus on Trent Williams. A couple other missed calls. You can fight about roughing the passer textbook. That illegal contact penalty was bullshit. Uh, Shouts to Ashawn Robinson for having some fighting trash talking. I mean. There was a little report that after the game, he spoke to Charlotte Carroll in Serbian. So, unknowingly, I put this shirt on. It's a Belgrade shirt. Um, for those of you know, who don't know, I'm of Serbian descent mostly. So, hey, Sean, I don't know how you know Serb, but weird approach. I'll take it. You're an OG for that. But I will say this, too, before we get to snap counts and just an outlook. Is there fight on this team? Like, seriously, a lot of people have called the Giants out right now and said, where is the energy? Shouts to my guy, Big Dash Nose. He said in his video, and he was at the game, Fred Warner hyping up the defense before the game. He didn't feel that energy on the sideline for the Giants, though. I mean, DJ Davidson literally got his elbow dislocated because a fucking bum Jake Brendel decided to tear him to the ground for no reason. And I could see, you know, maybe Davidson was just pushing and shoving a little bit. But now he's injured. Probably going to be out against Seattle, I would bet. Maybe dislocated elbow. But nobody's getting in Brendel's face and saying, dude, what are you doing that for? And it's not just that. It's, there's a couple other plays, too. Week one against the Cowboys. I mean, JMS rushed over to Daniel Jones after the Jaron Curse hit, but nobody's fighting for him. It just seems like... At times, this team is so close to defeating their opponent. They don't take the opportunities. And when they fail on those opportunities, they're a bunch of fucking Eeyores. Like, they're, they're sad and depressed and their heads are hanging. They're like a Little League team that just committed four errors in one inning. And a lot of people will tell you that have been athletes, that have been in you know physical activity and all these certain things. If you make a mental error, sometimes it's worse than a physical error. Because sometimes that will stick with you for the rest of the game. And you can't let it happen. Like, we talk about this a lot with baseball. Talk about with Glaber Torres and, you know, Gary Sanchez a few years ago. This team can't have that. Because while some people will walk back their expectations, this team was expected to win. And they made winning-like moves. Again, expectations, I'll get into that within the next 11, 10 days. But you can't sit there and say, oh... You know, we're going to be a bunch of Eeyores. 
that's that, no, like seriously. So Brian Dable, Kafka, whoever, get on their ass about that. So let's go to snap count. John Michael Schmitz, Zudu McKee, then Lemieux played 100%. Evan Neal at 94%. He was getting his leg taped up. I think it'll be good to go for Seattle. It's a long break. 94%. Daniel Jones, 94%. 84% for Slayton. 82% for Waller. 82% for Breda. 66% for Hodgins. 60% for Daniel Bellinger. 42% for Paris Campbell. 32% for Hyatt. 22% for Wandale Robinson. 18% for Gary Brightwell. 12% for Matt Pert. 6% for Tarod Taylor. And 4% for Sterling Shepard. They really haven't used him the first three weeks. And to be honest with you, I don't expect it to go up. For the defense... Okereke, McKinney, and Binnock played all the snaps. 96% for Adoree Jackson, 87% for Kayvon Thibodeau, 75% for Leonard Williams, 73% for Dexter Lawrence, 72% for Michael McFadden, 67% for Trey Hawkins, 60% for Jihad Ward, 54% for Ashawn Robinson, 52% for Deontay Banks, again, who got hurt, 41% for Raheem Nunez-Roches, 30% for O'Shane Zimenez, 28% for Isaiah Simmons, 23% for DJ Davidson, 22%. For Carlos Boogie Basham, 18% for Darnay Holmes, and then 1% for Dane Belton, who I'm a little shocked in that didn't get uh, more snaps, just personally. So, I think, and this is going to be said on the graphic too, but for the people listening on the podcast platform, or who might seriously be blind, the Giants must win against Seattle. You want to save your season? You must win against Seattle. You got to go 2-2. Two and two. And I said this beginning of the year, even before that, when we were doing schedule predictions, the Giants had to be 2-2 two and two after four games. The schedule is not our friend. It's not. And listen, whether the NFL wants to paint this picture, everybody hates the Giants, let's put the schedule against the Giants. I'm not here for the excuses. I'm not here for, oh, the Giants, you know, they're, they're being targeted by the NFL. Stop. Like, fine. Embrace that targeted mentality. Maybe the team's tired of that. And maybe they're just giving up fighting-wise. I don't know. But you got to go out and beat Seattle. If you can't beat Seattle, I'm seriously going to start questioning why the Giants, and this is not just Giant fans, why the Giants sold us on we're going to run it back, but we're going to bring guys back. We're going to try to make another run of the playoffs. Because guess what? I'll tell you right now, one thing that sticks out like a sore thumb, we are not talented like the 49ers. We're not talented like... Uh, Dallas, we're not talented like the Eagles. So New York Giants, as the team, the organization, whatever, if you want to come out here and still have your fan base believing, you win in week four. Because guess what? We know the talent gap has not been closed. I think it's still a little bit far from closing. But if you don't win against Seattle, if you don't pull that off, you're going, a lot of fans, not that they're jumping off the bandwagon, but a lot of people will say the season's over. And I don't want to say that because this year, a lot of people had winning expectations. But if you lose against Seattle and then maybe start going down a road of, oh, you know, we couldn't beat Buffalo, we couldn't beat Miami, this and the other thing, everyone's going to walk back their expectations. Oh, it's all, it's a growing year. That means that we got a little too happy with those playoff games the playoff victory and then the playoff loss so we got maybe a little too happy with that if once again that's they lose against seattle and they're not doing very good in some of these games um but again just like i'm asking you to compete against miami i'm asking you to compete against buffalo if you could take one of those games fine 
Then you have two games at home against uh, Washington, which we'll see what they look like. I think they're beatable, but again, the Giants have been, you know, very weird in these games. They played really two quarters, three quarters of real football. And then you have the Jets without Aaron Rodgers, so a lot of people are looking that uh, game as a W, but their defense is ferocious. The Giants have to just to pick apart their zones, and then I think, you know, you go on a three-game road trip. So if you can't beat the Seahawks, you really shouldn't be marking – a win for some of these other teams on the rest of the schedule in terms of like, oh, the Giants can beat this team. I'm not saying the Giants won't win another game if they lose to Seattle. What I'm saying is you have no reason, Giants and Giant Fan United, you have no reason to overlook these teams if you don't beat Seattle. Now, of course, Seattle could be a good team this year, whatever the case may be, right? They're also dealing with uh, Abraham Lucas, who's out. Jason Peters is probably going to be back by then. Um, and then I don't know what's happening with Charles Cross. I'll definitely watch the Seahawks game this weekend to, you know, maybe do some scouting and whatnot. And we'll try to get guy on whatever, but green Bay, they're one and one at the point of this recording. They look like someone who's going to give you the business. They beat Chicago. They were very close with Atlanta till the end. The jets, we could sit here, talk about Zach Wilson, but their defense is something to look at. If they're not stubborn enough. Washington, they're 2-0 right now. I forget who they play this week. But they play somebody. They play a team. But they're 2-0. I mean, your record says who you are. You are who your record says you are. That's a Bill Parcells quote. So, I can't sit here and overlook the Jets and overlook some of these other teams if you don't beat Seattle. And the NFL put us on prime time. Guess what? So we could lose. But the Giants... Again, no excuse. They have to rise to the occasion and start beating these teams. They really do. Because if not, then it's just, oh, well, we, we got our expectations and high hopes up. And then next year, there's going to be more pressure. Because the Giants will have to build again, see who's in free agency. We don't want to even talk about the offseason yet because we're just two games in. Three games in, excuse me. And once again, I'm not sounding the alarm on the season. I'm just giving you guys my thoughts. Again, we'll talk about expectations, a lot of other different things in another video, and a couple other, again, subject topics, offense, defense-wise. But like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. Appreciate all coming back. Share this out. Five-star on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Go Big Blue. Uh -huh.